Bonjour and bienvenue to Battle Royale, where we pass judgment on all of the kings and emperors of France, from Clovis to Napoleon III. Who will be selected as the creme de la creme, and who will be sent to the guillotine? Je m'appelle Ben Clark. And I'm Eliza Summers. And hello, hello. How are we on this fine spring slash autumn day? <laughs> Good. Cloudy, bit sunny here, but you know, it was rainy yesterday, so it's not that rainy today, which is nice. Same here, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we've had a bit of rain and, and now there's slugs in my house. Ew. So that's lovely. I was just explaining to Eliza that last night... I stepped on a bunch of slugs when I was going downstairs mm. for a midnight snack. And then I had to pick them up with spoons and fling them out the back door. <laughs> you know, I realized though, well, I might not have slugs. The bees, the Japanese bees are huge. Huge. Oh, really? They are like monster bees. The bees in Scotland were really big as well. Something about Northern Hemisphere bees. It's like the Ooh. one thing that's bigger in the Northern Hemisphere. I know. It's bees. Like I thought, I thought there was a wasp in my in my room once. And it was turned a bee? out it was a huge bee. Yeah. Same. When I was in the garden, I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" There's bees, bees, bees. And I don't know if yeah. I'm allergic to them because I've never been stung. So I was like, "Ah." And they're really fluffy as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but massive. Like we don't we don't get the the fluffy bees in Australia. They're just sort of yellow flies. <laughs> anyway. Enough about animals. <laughs> yes, let's... Let's get into it. Let's get into... Who, who are we doing today, Eliza? I don't know. <laughs> um, I really don't. Do you remember what we're doing? I don't even remember. The, the last Carolingian. That's probably all you know. Yeah, I don't even remember the name. Probably like a Louis or a Charles something. Yeah, he's a Louis. What, what number Louis are we up to? Five... Yes, Louis V. Oh, oh, damn! Good guess. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Potentially the last Louis that not many people have heard of. Um, oh, okay. After this, the Louis start to get more recognizable. I think. Mm, yeah. Because we go into the Middle Ages, which more people are familiar with. Yeah. Do you remember what century that we're supposed to be in? Oh no, it's like nine hundreds. Yes, nine hundreds, uh, mid nine hundreds. So Louis V was born around nine sixty six or nine sixty seven. Mm-hmm. To King Lothair of France and his yeah. wife Emma of Italy, yeah, who was a member of the Bosnid dynasty, yeah, uh, so a distant cousin of our friend Rudolf, mm-hmm. and she was also the stepdaughter of the Holy Roman Emperor yeah. Otto the Great, who was Lothair's uncle, yeah. So they were already related by marriage. Now they're tying tying the knot even even closer. <laughs> and Louis's younger brother. Um, was named Otto in the Emperor's uh, yeah. honor, but sadly died young, leaving yeah. Louis an only child. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but he had some bastard brothers as well, but they're not important. <laughs> However, he wasn't the last Carolingian, uh, Louis. There was still his uncle, Charles, the Duke of L- Lower Lorraine. Oh, uh, yeah. If you'll remember. He'd been sort of sent off as a baby to be Duke oh, yeah. in the sort of Holland area. Oh, yeah. And he'd become a bit more German- than, than the mm. more French Lothair. Charles has a couple kids of his own, but um, he already tried becoming king once. Didn't work out. Yeah, Otto II invaded and tried to install him as king. Didn't work out because Lothair and Hugh Capet 
sort of well, like, both no. kicked him out. Yeah. And uh, Charles was, from this point, not very popular in France. So he will be a threat to Louis, but but he will never be king, Charles yeah. of Lower Lorraine. Yeah. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. So we know nothing about Louis's childhood until he reaches the age of 13 or 14 thereabouts, mm-hmm. uh, where when he was crowned as junior king to his father. Woo! And, but he was actually crowned as king of Aquitaine, which is interesting. Mm. Um, which is a thing that the Carolingians kind of used to do, and they're, they're bringing off. it back again. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And this happened on the 8th of June, 979, in a ceremony at Compiègne, where he was anointed and crowned by Adelbero, the Archbishop of Rams, who we met Ooh. last episode. Yay. Just Adelbert, but with an O on the end instead of <laughs> a T. <laughs> so, as a teenager, Louis was said to be spoiled and debauched oh. by certain sources, uh, which was not very helpful for his father, uh, who was trying yeah. desperately to get him an advantageous marriage alliance. And Lothair needed an alliance that would help him counter the power of Hugh Capet, because this is around yeah. the time Hugh Capet's starting to really stir up trouble. Yeah. Because if we, as we remember last episode, Lothair is sort of teaming up with the Imperials a bit more, uh, mm-hmm. with, with Otto II, his, his brother-in-law, uh, yeah. slash cousin. And <laughs> meanwhile, Hugh Capet is our current Robertian. He is the inheritor of all the Robertian lands, plus yeah. Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, well, his brother owns Burgundy, but, you know, his brother's yeah. loves him. Yeah. And also has a significant claim on Aquitaine as well. So, yeah. bit of beef. Mm-hmm. So, Lothair, he turns to his wife, Emma, for advice, yeah. as, as he often does. And uh, she just happened to be looking through the, the marriage market catalogue. Oh, casually as you do. She had a monthly subscription to oh. the bride catalogue. Oh, so, she's looking she- through it. Well, what's the title of our uh, book? We've got to give it a good title, that marriage book. Oh, um, oh. the Mar- Marriage Market Weekly. Yes, uh, Marriage Market <laughs> Weekly. Sign up now. Or the, um, and get a discount for nine ninety nine. Yeah, the Eligible Girls Gazette. Oh, I like uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's looking through. She's lying on, she's lying on a chaise longue, which is the most French kind of chair I can think of. Yeah. And she's like, okay, Lothar, I reckon a great way to weaken Hugh Capet, who we both hate, mm. while strengthening the crown, would be to bring one of Hugh Capet's powerful vassals onto our side. So uh. bring him down from within, basically. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I get that. So Emma's looking through and she's like, look, this, this princess looks great. Her name mm-hmm. is Adelaide Blanche. Okay. So it's hyphenated. Very mm-hmm. fancy. Yeah. Um... That's brilliant. She's from the House of Anjou. Mm. So that's a yeah. powerful vassals. Another point. Your rising power in the West. Oh. And uh, and she's 14. Perfect oh. age to get married to her teenage son. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so yeah, Lothair's like, yep, send the messages, get this bride, get them married, quick smart. Yeah. Um, however. It'll be great. Uh, it appears that Emma misread the catalogue. Oh. Because... This bride, Adelaide Blanche of Anjou, was not 14. Oh. She was 40. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. 40 and already twice widowed. 
Oh. But apparently it was just too good an alliance to pass up. Age is just a number. Age is just a number. They'd be getting into bed with Hugh Capet's biggest rival for power, which was Count Geoffrey of Anjou. Yeah. You know, this would completely kneecap his power yeah. if this guy was allied to the crown. And not only was she part of the House of Anjou, but her previous husbands were uh, the Viscount of Gévaudan, mm. uh, where the beast lives, <laughs> and the Count of Toulouse. Oh. And these were two of the most powerful lords in southern France. So she already had a lot of Aquitaine influence yeah. going for her. So, yeah, with those southern connections, they could also do something with that. Mm, yeah, yeah. And she was meant to be queen of Aquitaine. So, yeah. you know. It, it seemed seemed pretty good, apart from the age thing. Yeah. So, Louis, you know, Louis could just marry her and maybe, like, not worry about babies for another, like, ten years or so, <laughs> by which time she'll have, like, died of old age and yeah. then can get married to someone else. <laughs> so, the couple were married in 982 <laughs> and crowned king and queen of Aquitaine by Adelaide Blanche's brother, Guy, <laughs> who was the Bishop of Le Puy. Yay! Which is one of the big bishoprics in Aquitaine. Le so, Le Puy. Le Puy. Yes. Le space Puy. Puy. P-U-Y. <laughs> However, the marriage. Um, yep, the marriage. Can you see some problems? Yeah. With big age, they're not going to have similar interests. <laughs> I mean, to start with, it's pedophilia. Yeah. So, not off to a good start. It was also a very unpopular choice on both sides. This yeah. Marriage. It was considered Like, he probably wanted a young, beautiful queen. Yeah, and um, Adelaide Blanche was a very, already very powerful and formidable woman yeah. in her own right. And she was repulsed by the bad manners and lascivious lifestyle uh, of the young prince. Yeah, she's like, mm. Yeah, this is according to the chronicler Rudolf Glaber, who is not very sympathetic to the Carolingians. And he describes Louis V as, quote, not having inherited his father's talents. <laughs> um <laughs> So whatever ta- whatever talents Lothair had, which we yeah, sort of question. doubted that he really had any. Well, he, his <laughs> Louis, Louis didn't have anything. Yeah, Louis didn't have an iota of, of talent, <laughs> apparently. So, you know. He just wanted a good time. Adelaide Blanche just thinks he's garbage. Yeah. And meanwhile, Louis, of course, was disgusted by Adelaide Blanche's age. Yeah. Which is interesting, I think, because if the genders were flipped, yeah. you know, if... This were a 40-year-old man marrying a teenage girl. Like, that's just a Tuesday in medieval France. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (sighs) And, of course, I can't let an episode go by without a great Richer quote. Mm -hmm. Richer being more sympathetic to the Carolingians, so keep that in mind. Yeah. So Richer says, they had almost no conjugal love. So no sex. Because Louis had barely reached puberty and Adelaide was old. (laughs) There was only incompatibility and disagreements between them. They did not share a common bedroom, as they could not bear it. <laughs> when they had to travel, each took a separate residence, and when they were forced to talk, their conversations were in the open air and were never long, but only lasted for a few words. Oh, like, hi, bye. Yeah, yeah basically. They, they, they come out for public appearances and, you know. We'll be right back after this. The commander said, don't worry, I don't have the authority to kill you today. Which was positive, for that day anyway. In 1993, Chris Moon was captured by the Khmer Rouge while clearing landmines in Cambodia. With survival probability low, Chris was brought in front of the boss. He was just given a local nickname, Mr. Clever. 
Hi, I'm Steve Windus, host of the Batting the Breeze podcast. I'd love you to check out how Chris survived, along with some other great human stories at battingthebreeze.com. Hopefully see you there. Second there Just behind the hold doors. hold hands for like two seconds. It's like, goodbye. And go, and go back to their separate, not even like separate rooms, separate Castles. residences, <laughs> like separate buildings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the quote continues. Uh, they lived in this way for two years until they obtained a divorce Ooh. for their opposite characters. Ooh. Louis, who did not have a tutor, indulged himself in all sorts of frivolity due to his young age. So yeah, the marriage alliance backfired horribly yeah. in every conceivable yeah. way. And something Richard doesn't mention is that Adelaide Blanche didn't wait for the annulment to go through before running Damn. off. Damn! She fled to Provence. God, she really... Sunny Provence. Didn't like him. Yeah, so she's like, I'm out. I'm off to the French Riviera. I'll have a grand old time. <laughs> Basically. And we'll, get, we'll get back to what she does in the French Riviera. It's a bit scandalous. Oh, like a little um, scandal. Yes. It, despite what Richer says, it's unclear whether they actually divorced or just separated. Or even they consummated um, the marriage. Yeah, well, there's no sort of approval for, for an annulment or anything. So, because obviously divorce is illegal. Yeah. So, when... Richer says divorce, he means annulment. Yeah. But yeah, the couple will never see each other again, though. Mm. Uh, and Rudolphus Glaber uh, gives us a story that Adelaide Blanche deceived Louis into bringing her to Aquitaine so that she could more easily escape him. <laughs> Which is funny. She just really hated him. Yeah, she just really hated him. Uh, so she lured him into a, into an area where she had more allies <laughs> so that she could she could get out. Get that divorce. Basically. But yeah, we'll get back to her a little, a little later. Meanwhile, Adelaide Blanche's House of Anjou, led by her brother, Count Geoffrey I, um, only became further entrenched in its loyalty to Hugh Capet, mm. as it had been to all the Robertians before him. Mm. So, not good. Yeah. And by the way, the House of Anjou is the ancestor dynasty of the Plantagenets. Oh! So when we get the Plantagenets, we get the, like, Angevin Empire... Oh, um, oh, I love the Plantagenets. I just love saying it and the spelling of it. It's just, oh, it's a great yeah, name. So Count Geoffrey is the, the direct ancestor of Henry II, Richard Lionheart. Richard III. I guess, yeah, Richard III eventually. Yeah, <laughs> he's, sorry. He's the, he's the last Plantagenet, of course. I know, got to bring him up. Yeah. So the extent to which Louis V caused the failure of this alliance is debated by historians. Okay. He's pretty badly slandered by the pro-Capet sources. Yeah. But th- this was more likely the failure of Queen Emma and Count Geoffrey, who yeah. were the ones telling Lothair to go through with this marriage alliance, even though there were clearly glaring problems. Yeah. Like a- like age and, you yeah, know. They were like, no, nah, we've already decided on this, we're sticking to it. Yeah. And, uh... This catastrophe was among the last of Lothair's reign because mm. he died a couple of years later on the 2nd of March, 986. Oh, yeah, my birthday. And because he had already been crowned, uh, the throne passed immediately to Louis yeah. V. Nice, easy. Once again, nice, easy, automatic succession Weird. without an election. Yeah. However, this did not mean everything was... Peachy. Nothing was peachy at all. There were no peaches to be found. There was only sour uh, lemons. Only sour lemons. And Louis started off immediately on an e- an even worse foot than his father. Oh. First of all, Lothair had all this conflict with Hugh Capet, as we know. Yeah. Louis kind of put that to bed. He recognised the wisdom and authority of Hugh Capet, mm. which is good. 
Yeah, it is. But he also continued the persecution of Archbishop Adelbero. Oh, that's uh, not so good. Yeah. Do you remember what Adelbero did that made Lothar angry? Sided with somebody or condemned somebody? Spoke out against him. Yeah, he spoke out against him, but who is he who is he supposedly colluding with? Oh Emma? Uh sort of. Yeah. Well the Ooh. the Imperial faction oh, okay. um, is like he's he's at the head of the Imperial faction. And he was plotting with the Holy Roman Empire. Uh which at this point is Empress Theophanu, the Empress Regent. Ah uh, yeah. For Otto the Third, who's her son. So yeah, he's plotting with this foreign weird princess. Ooh. To supposedly bring down Lothair. And Louis V thinks he is doing the same to him. Um, <laughs> Louis V also turns against his own mum. Oh. He drives Emma out of his court because supposedly she poisoned his father. <sighs> and supposedly she also had an affair with the Bishop of Long. Oh, yeah. Um, whose name is Asselin. <laughs> Askelin. Asselin. Askelin. Um, a S C E L I N. As As in in French probably pronounced Aslan. Uh okay. but let's go with Aslan. <laughs> Aslan. Bishop yeah. Aslan of Long. Yeah. Of Narnia. Um yeah. So if you remember, uh, she supposedly poisoned Lothair and then fled with this bishop yeah. very suspiciously. Mm-hmm. It's unclear where she fled to. Um <laughs> Some sources I read said she fled to Hugh Capet. But that doesn't make mm. any sense to me. Yeah. Because um, they they were bitter rivals. <laughs> she tried to capture and destroy him. <laughs> yeah. So if she ended up with him, it was probably not willingly. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But other people suggest that she went over to Charles, Duke of Lorraine, which would make more sense. Mm-hmm. And Charles is apparently amassing troops to challenge the young king's rule, to challenge Ooh. Louis V, his nephew. Ooh. But either way, Emma kind of disappears for a bit. We'll get back to Ooh. her later, where she ends up. It's disputed okay. where she ends up, but she she vanishes from the map for now. Okay. I'm not sure what happened to the bishop who supposedly slept with her. Probably nothing nice. Yeah. But meanwhile, Archbishop Adelbero, who'd been Emma's supporter had to also flee. Oh. And he took refuge in the Empire, in the Holy Roman Empire. Oh. So he fled into Lotharingia, mm. into the arms of Empress Theophanu. Smart, though. And Louis, of course, saw this just as further confirming Proof. his treason. Yeah. yeah. So Louis marches his troops to Rams, to Adelbera's city. Oh. Um, that he'd abandoned. He was apparently motivated by, quote, the insinuations of wicked men. So Louis got all these advisors around him, egging him on to do to uh, double down on what like- Lothair had done. So he hadn't learned from any of his dad's mistakes, basically. Yeah. So Adelbero returned to France, yeah, um, eventually, and he agreed to submit to a trial. He was promised oh. that he'd get a fair trial, hmm. and he's like, "Okay, I will come and face judgment. I'll be a good subject yeah. because." I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> oh, why did you? Feels this not going to end well. Um, it did actually end well. Oh, really? God, <laughs> it sounds like such a trap. So the king took hostages from Rams from among Adelbera's knights, 
um, to sort of ensure his good behavior. So in the meantime, while while the king has these hostages, Adalbera's trial is going to happen. Okay. And Louis V, meanwhile, also decides it's high time he made peace with the empire itself. Yeah. So he starts sending some messages to Empress Theophanu, being like, look, I know there's some tensions. Let's be chill. Yeah, let's be friends. Both of them saw Charles of Lorraine as a threat. So it it made sense for them to cooperate at this point. Yeah. But Theophanu's like, "Mm, I'll think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Put him on hold. Puts him on hold, yeah. And uh, while she was thinking about it, and while Charles of Lorraine was gathering his troops to invade, and while Adelbero was on his way to Compiègne for his trial... Yes. Louis V suddenly died. Oh. On the 21st of May, 987. That sucks. Can you guess how a 21-year-old young man during peacetime would have died? Too much fun. Uh, Riding. Oh, I know. Hunting. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He fell from his horse. Of course. He fell from his horse while hunting in the forest of Alat near Sonley. So just north of Paris. And bumped his head. Unclear. Just We just know that he fell from his horse. Just stick away. Just get away from the horses. Or just ride in a carriage. Walk if you're hunting. <laughs> For God's sake. So Louis V was buried in Compiègne in the Abbey of Saint-Cornet. Mm-hmm. So the court nobles, who were loyal to the Carolingians, yep. sent for the king's uncle Charles, the Duke of Lower Lorraine, to yep. be the next king. Because they're like, he's the next in line. Makes sense. However, the clergy had other ideas. Ooh. Adelbero and the other bishops were not fans of Charles. Yeah. Who had committed treasonous acts during Lothair's uh, reign. And they're like, he's shady. He was also just too German. Oh. <laughs> he hadn't really lived in France at all. Uh, so nobody really the German accent. And they're like, no. Yes. We're not having this. Yeah. Or maybe Dutch, I guess, because he, he's more, more of that. Netherlands. Region. Luxembourgish. Yeah. So Adelbero rocks up to Compiègne, where he thought he'd be facing his trial, but instead he finds a, a dead king. <laughs> yeah. King's dead, hate being hastily buried, and he's like, "Yay, I escaped that." Yeah, and guess who's taking control of the court? Cape. Yeah, Hugh yeah. Cape, who is friendly towards Adelbero. Oh, that's good. So he leads the or the nobility in dropping the charges against Adelbero. Oh. So the trial is called off. Smart, smart, They got smart. more important fish to fry. Yeah, like deciding <laughs> who's king. So now not only is Adelbero not on trial, but he's now mm. being looked at to approve who the next king should be. Mm. And um, who so is he- it? Somebody who's helped him be okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in his eyes and the eyes of many magnates present, there's only one good option. Yeah, one good option. Though Adelbero decided it was wise to postpone the election of a new king until all of the lords of France could have their say. Yeah. Like have a proper election. Yeah. And he would also give Charles a chance to argue his case for why he should be king as the okay. last Carolingian. Yeah. So, you know, Adelbero's being very sensible. Being very patient. He's not getting ahead of himself. Yeah. Which is refreshing. It is. <laughs> I would say. It is. But yes, as as you might probably be able to guess, it's Hugh Capet who becomes king after Whee! this. But that 
That is a story for next episode. Which will be after the break. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, let's get back to the women. Yes. So, always. Louis V's ex-wife, Adelaide yep. Blanche of Anjou, How is, is off living her best life in, in yes, Provence. Yes, she is. And upon hearing of Louis' death, which like, like, officially, officially freed her, um, because her divorce was kind of iffy. She's like, party! She decided to legally marry the local count, whose name was William. Okay. And he became the fourth of her eventual five husbands. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, Adelaide Blanche has a very interesting life story. Um, she, she does. She could easily have an episode on her own, but alas, she was barely married to Louis yeah. V. <laughs> it's can't really justify it. But Queen Emma, meanwhile, the king's mother. Mm. Still alive and hopping. She either retired to a convent in Burgundy. Okay. That's one version. Or... And this is the more interesting story. Traveled to Bohemia. Oh, I like that. So the Czech Republic now. Yeah. Where in 989, two years after her son's death, she supposedly married Duke Boleslav II and had another son named Aldrich. Okay. We're not sure if this was the same Emma who became Duchess of Bohemia, but she easily could have been. Yeah. And the timeline actually works pretty well. Yeah. The fact that they only had one child suggests she may have been older. So yeah. it kind of works. <laughs> yeah. Let's go if it in our but minds. Yeah. Let's go with it. We only know her name was Emma, but we don't know if she was the Emma. The, the Emma. Former Queen of France. But the timeline is weirdly convenient. <laughs> we'll go with it. Let's go with it. Um, so that is, that is Louis V's rather short life. He was 21 when he died, mm. and it only rained for... Well, we'll see how long he reigned A few for. years. But yeah, let's rate him. So I'm yes. going to send you some Enchanté okay. Let's see, let's see. Enchanté. Okay, he's looking young. Yep, accurate. Yeah, he's got the, the baby face skin with the no hair. Yeah, it's very baby face. It is. And he's got the traditional scepter with the fleur-de-lis. And he's got, obviously, the, the capy... Romanesque cape. I don't know what to call it. Romanesque. Yeah, Romanesque. <laughs> and I like him. I'm digging his crown. I'm digging it. It's a good crown. It's a good Not crown. Not going to lie. I'd wear that crown. Sometimes I dream about buying a crown and just pretending I'm queen. <laughs> I feel so I look really good in that crown. It is a really nice crown. And I, I really want it. it. And he's got a very bejeweled cloak. Yeah. Yeah. Good. He he definitely looks like a young, promising king. He looks a bit looks a bit arrogant. Yeah, he does. He looks a bit conceited. Mm. He's got that side eye going. He's a bit sassy. Giving the side eye, looking off in the distance, being like, "I'm taking my photo. I can't be looking directly at the camera, or yeah. at the canvas. So to the side, to the side." I don't think any of them have looked directly. I might be wrong. Some of them might. I think one I think of Clovis. Them did. I think Clovis did. Like he was looking directly at. <laughs> the 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 painter or whatever. Yeah, I think there was one. I've also got an image. I think this is from the Grand Chronicle of France, where we've had a lot of the other like genealogy images. But this is him. Okay. Oh. The context of this image is like he's like the little stump at the end of the family tree, <laughs> where it, where it sort of ends. <laughs> yeah, you can see he's like a little red cloak, and he's holding his little scepter, and he's like, "Hi." Yeah, he's got a very flouncy crown yeah. and a red robe. He looks like he's in his pajamas. <laughs> Middle of the night portraits. Doing a little royal wave. Yeah, like hi. Also, I love, 
I love the pointy shoes. I do it, dig and those. All of, the, all of these medieval They're like depictions. goblin yeah. shoes. <laughs> goblin shoes. Yeah, they look a bit like goblin. Like I could imagine it in the labyrinth. That in was the such labyrinth. a good movie. Yeah, the movie. Oh, David the movie Bowie. Labyrinth. <laughs> that was such a good movie. When, when you said labyrinth, I instantly thought of Minotaur. No. That's just me being a Greek myth nerd. Um, <laughs> we watched Labyrinth uh, together. Yeah, I know, I know. I but know, when so you good. say Labyrinth, I think of, like, the Labyrinth. I know, I get it. Okay, so uh, he has an epithet. Ooh, yay. I love an epithet. So he's called, in French, he's called Louis Le Fainéant, which translates to English as Louis the Do-Nothing. Oh. Harkening back to this idea Those of the Do-Nothing Merovingian days. Yes. However, this epithet didn't exist until long after his death. Oh. I mean, nor did the, the whole word, Fainéant, the, the, the concept of the do-nothing kings, didn't exist until long after the Merovingians as well. So yeah. He'll still get a point for having an epithet, because I like an epithet. Um, but yeah, the, the consensus at the time seems to have been that he was a king with a lot of potential. So like, during the time, nobody was talking about how like, he was debauched and like, he yeah. was lazy and all, all this sort of stuff. Um, that's that's from later yeah. people, sort of justifying the why reign of like, the Carolingians okay. ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he's seen as a king who had a lot of potential, but just didn't live up to it. We just died too quickly. So maybe like a better epithet would be something like Louis the short-lived, Louis the potential, <laughs> Louis the potential, <laughs> yeah. Louis the could have been something. Yeah, could have been but didn't. Louis. Oh, I'm just imagining Tyra Banks being like, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? <laughs> Fall off your horse. And die. I mean, you know the phrase, get back on the horse. Yeah. It didn't exist in the Car- in the Carolingian days. It should have been, don't go on your horse. This is our third king who's died hunting. Okay, that's his new epithet. Louis, don't go on your horse. Yeah, fourth king sighted a horse later. Just in the, just in the later Carolingian dynasty. I'm sure there were others. Before yeah. that we just don't know about, but yeah. Um just avoid horses. There in terms of like legacy, yeah. um, there have been some French and Italian operas based on the lives of these later Carolingian people. Mm, um I like that. So like Louis V, Emma, Blanche Adelaide, and Hugh Capet, they all get operas. Ooh. And the most famous is apparently um Ugo Conte di Parigi. That's Hugh Count of Paris mm-hmm. uh, by Gaetano Donizetti. Mm-hmm. And that was touted to me by Andrew Schneider, who's apparently uh, a big fan yeah. of this opera. Uh, Andrew Schneider being a, Thank being you, a Andrew. big fan on, yeah. on, on Twitter. And we love Andrew. He's got a fundraiser happening, actually. Oh, he um, always sends me cute little things on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, you little doll. I just love you. But yeah, he's got a, he's got a fundraiser because he wants to take the next step in his recording career. Oh, Because um, so he, re- he records classical music. If you want to contribute to that, guys. Then. Yeah, if you like classical music. If you're, yeah. if you're a fan of yeah. Polish uh, church music. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've listened to his stuff. He sends me like his videos, and I'm always like, "Damn!" Like, I wish I've I never, was that I've good. never watched any of the stuff, so I, I need to. Oh, he sends um, it to me on Instagram. Well, we will be we will be cross promoting that. Yeah, because so Andrew's Andrew's the number one fan. <laughs> yeah, he's our um, number one, our VIP fan. <laughs> but yeah, this opera. I, I'm assuming these operas depict Louis as the classic do nothing king. Yeah. Um, just as like a spoiled little brat. I couldn't get much description about how Louis himself is characterized in these productions. Yeah. Um, 
Andrew and would know. couldn't get a recording or anything of it, but <laughs> Andrew will know. Um, but we'll, we can talk more about that in Hugh Cabe's episode, because yeah. he's the one who actually has the opera about him. So, that's Enchante. Okay. What do we think we want to give him? Okay, so, he's going to get a point for having an epithet, just because I love an epithet. Even if it's a bad one. It's a terrible one. <laughs> actually, he's going to get half a point for the epithet. I'll give him something. I can't do full, because it's a bad epithet, actually. So, half a point for an epithet. I'm going to give him another point for having a betrayal, like, you know. And I'm going to give another point for having even a bloody picture done in early, later times, because some of them they didn't. So, he's mm. going to get a 2.5 from me. Okay. That's been generous, um, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I like his portrait better than Lothair's, I think. Yeah, I do. Um, but at the same time, there's less depictions, I think think than Lothair. Yeah. Even though Lothair's depictions were quite generic. Yeah. So maybe I'd give him the same score as Lothair. Or maybe I'd give him slightly higher than Lothair. How do you, what do you I'm think I'm thinking of 3.5 actually. I think I'm actually kind of being generous as well because spoiler alert, this is probably the only round he's really going to get any points. Yeah. <laughs> Except for maybe Scandal. So we're going to do 2.5, 3.5? Yes. Giving it a total of. Nice round six for mm-hmm. Enchante. Lovely. Let's move on to On Guard. On Guard. What do we have? From the moment Lothar was cold on the ground, mm-hmm. Louis V found himself getting swarmed by people jostling um. to influence him. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and he's he's just getting pushed and pulled by the two conflicting factions at court. The yeah. pro-imperial faction and the pro-Hugh Capet faction. Okay. The Imperials were telling him to hole up in his castle and demand that the leading men of the realm should come to him to swear homage and ask favours. Yeah. Whereas the anti-Imperial faction were telling him to follow Cape around, <laughs> both because Cape could be a good mentor to him. And it's Cape. <laughs> and it's Cape. You want to keep an eye on Cape. So yeah. you want to follow him around. According to Richer, quote, the king listened to the competing arguments, but put off making a decision. Yeah. After taking counsel with the Duke, however, he became completely... Oh. Completely. So, uh, he became... It says just says, he became completely to him. Um, completely <laughs> in... He became completely loyal to him. Yes. I guess. And favoured him from that time forward. Um, That's the end of the quote. Um, I'll have to find the rest of that quote, because uh, I left yeah. out a word, apparently. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so... That's up. That's all I have for Ongard. <laughs> Just him getting influenced. <laughs> At least we have a bit more detail than we had from the Do Nothing Kings in the Merovingian period, who just true, we had true. nothing. Yeah, so, well, we had nothing. Though, to be fair, that was also because my research was a lot worse back then. <laughs> um, I didn't have as many sources. True, true. Just because I couldn't, I couldn't obtain them. Yeah. Much better now, because I have loads of friends now in the history yeah. podcast community who can, can send me links and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what do you think for On Guard? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Can't give anything. I think it's going to be a zero. He ends the dynasty. He accomplishes very Nothing. little. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Let's move on to Vulevu. Yeah. Because um, that is zero for On Guard. Vulevu. Um, so for Vulevu, I have even less. Um, I've, I've got oh. pretty much nothing. Um, so just basically, like, take all the bad stuff Lothair did, condense it to a very short reign, okay. and that's Louis V. Okay. 
apart from the co- cooperation with Cape, but that can more be seen as Cape just taking the reins. Yeah. So. Cape being Cape. So what do we think we'll give him for Vuli <laughs> Zero. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a, It is a, even a step down from Lothar, so it's zero mm. worthy. No Carolingian has gotten a zero in this round. So mm. this is a first as well. Actually, no Carolingian got a zero in on guard either, so. Not a great thing to have a first in. No. Moving on to Ooh La La. Mm-hmm. Ooh La La. There's some stuff here, mainly just the criticisms of his character. Yeah. A bit Ooh La La worthy. Things that happen in his reign, like his mother absconding with the yeah. bishop, supposedly murdering his dad, the marriage falling through, that's quite mm. scandalous. Yeah. And was supposedly, you know, caused by Louis and his poor behaviour. He's apparently, mm. like, philandering around and being a drunk and being <laughs> lascivious and all this sort of stuff that gets put on him later. Yeah. Definitely. Based on the reputation of just his reign collapsing. Yeah. Like, sort of to justify the end of the Carolingians. But it's still something. Yeah. It was written. If it was yeah. written, then, you know, it's worth something. So, yeah, it's a real, it's a real he said, he said situation. Because yeah. they're all, they're all male. There's, there's no female writers. Yeah. So I can't say he said, she said. Um, but, yeah, there's the pro-Carolingian people who are just painting him as, as a rotten king. Yeah. And there's the sympathists who just kind of say, oh, you, you know, circumstances. He didn't get a chance. Yeah. So what do we think for Ulala? La? Can I do a point for disastrous marriage? I think that might be a couple points. Because, like, the marriage yeah. in the first place is pretty disastrous. Yeah, so two points for marriage. A point for his mother, just, like, you know, running off and, you know, him being like, she did it. Okay, so he's already above low there for you. Yeah. So it's three. Can I give a point for being the last car, like, a last one? Yeah, I think that's worth The something. end of the dynasty. I think it's a four for me then. Although, I mean, we didn't really get, like, thinking back to Childric III, the last Merovingian, he didn't get a lot for Ulala because he wasn't in control. Um, even though he ended the dynasty, it's like, it's not like he ended it, you know? Yeah, but he just got, like, you know, shoved into a monastery. Yeah, but I think, you know, <laughs> I don't want to give Louis too much credit. You know. Okay, well, I'll I'll stick with three then. See, I think three is quite high for the amount of agency he had. I think I'm just going to go one. Really? But you said a couple of points for his marriage. Actually, yeah, maybe a couple. Just marriage and and his general bad character, I'd probably lump into two points. I'm going to be generous no, and give three. Actually, no, I'm going to do three. I'm going to do three points. You've convinced me. Yeah. Because <laughs> he does have a, a lot of nasty adjectives. Yeah. Tacked onto him. And he didn't even have that long of a reign. No, no, he didn't. He did, he had a short time to do a lot of scandally things, so. Yeah. You know. Okay, so that is that is a six for Ulala. So it's been six, zero, zero, six. <laughs> so far. <laughs> and moving on to the on throne. Mm-hmm. The V on throne. How do you think he's gonna do it in this round? Not that great. <laughs> Not that great. Well, he reigned from the eighth of June. 986 to the 22nd of May 987, mm-hmm. which is 11 months and 14 days. Not even a year. If you're keeping track, shortest reign so far. Yeah. And how many children did he have? Zero. Zero. So 
Shortest reign and no children, you know what that means. Dun, dun, dun. He's got the lowest V on throne score yet. Oh, that's not great. Lowest ever so far. 0.18 is his V on throne score. He's 67th place. So he's fifth last in yeah. Beyond Throne. Mm. So there are there are four people who do worse than him yeah. <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah. But for now, he's the lowest. He's broken the record for, for lowest Beyond Throne score. For now. You know, he gets, he gets one badge. <laughs> he gets a, a wooden spoon. <laughs> so shall we tally up the yes. score? Yeah. It's going to be, what, under 20? Um, it's going to be like, what, 13? Oh, you're so close. It's 12.18. Oh. 12.2, I guess. Not very good. Not very good, but maybe not as bad as I might have thought. Um, He did better than both the Carlemans. (laughs) (laughs) So. It's the Carlemans. They just weren't very exciting. I guess his reign was a bit more exciting. Um, Yeah. I don't know. More stuff happened. Yeah, Crammed into this very short amount of time. True. So that brings us to the final question. Is he fascinating enough, entertaining enough, majestic and fabulous and irresistible enough to be released from our dungeon, to go through to the Battle Royale Championship, and to be spared the guillotine? No, I can't. No. I mean, I wish we've I considered before, like, should should the really bad ones get it? And I feel like if they're bad, they've got to be... Bad. Catastrophically, indisputably bad. Like, yeah. with Louis V, it's a bit wishy-washy of, like, how much is, are people just making up? Yeah. And it's also not very specific. Like, there's yeah. no specific things that he does that are horrible. Yeah. It's just, like, general. This general vibe of, like, oh, he's it's like, rude. It's almost like just rumours. <laughs> rumours. Yeah. It's just rumours. From people who would never have met him. So, yeah. So, in terms of kings, obviously we're at the end of the Carolingians. Yeah. And we're about halfway to the Renaissance. Mm. So, this is episode 29. Yep. And episode episode 58, so, you know, twice this episode, is going to be one of Catherine de' Medici's sons. So, <gasps> we're halfway to that. Catherine de' Medici! Sorry, I just love <laughs> I know, we have I to do I an episode on her. If we don't do an episode I, on her, I will die. We're die, doing I an say. episode on all of the Queen Regents from Good. this point forward. So don't like, worry. Literally, She's if we didn't do Catherine, I'd be like dead. I She's going to be fifty-eight point five. I just love her. Yeah. So after this episode, we're going to take a little break. Mm-hmm. When do we come back? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> okay. Because we have we have had a couple weeks off. Yeah. That were not planned. Um, So I may bring it forward a little bit. Yeah. um, And just, so we just have like maybe three weeks off instead of like a whole month. Maybe like sometime in May, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So like start of May, we'll probably be back. Um, I'll probably have enough Hugh Cape research. Don't do the first week of May though, because it's golden week. So okay, I'll be, second I'll week be, of May then. I'll be out. We recorded like two weeks before. Yeah. So. Well, I was meant to go to the art island, but it got cancelled. So. Oh. I'm going to Hiroshima, but I'm staying in a very fancy little, like, you know, like, onsen hotel, my own private little hot spring. It'll be very pretty. Very nice. I'm sharing it with a friend because otherwise it'll be too expensive. So you guys will yes. hear about that. And and last weekend you went to Fukuoka, right? Yeah, Fukuoka. 
Yeah, and that was beautiful. It had, I went and saw the beautiful, beautiful flowers on the flower island. I understand why that city is called the Flower City. So, guys, if you're、mm. ever in Japan, especially, well, you can see the flowers any time of year in that island, but go down there. It's really beautiful. And they have really good ramen. You should post some flowers on the, on the Battle Royale Instagram. Yeah, I should. People can see the flowers. Yeah. They can see what I've been doing. And they can see all my little, like, Japanese history sh- things I take photos of, like,、mm-hmm. history related. So, before、stuff. we go, I want to do a little, little bit of a segment at the end、mm-hmm. here where we do、okay. a bit of a roundup of all of the、okay. rankings that we've had. Okay, King Roundup. So, Eliza, I am、mm-hmm. now sharing a portion of. Of my massive Excel document. It is、um, big, guys. Big. <laughs> If you think this is big, you. I don't want to see the overall see one. The, oh my God. The like, overall、Pew! one. <laughs> yeah, there's so many.、Um, and I added, I added all of the mistresses to it, which we're going to do eventually. So、Ooh. it's even longer. <laughs> I love some mistresses. Maybe let's go like category by category. Yeah. Should we just say the、yeah. first, second, third? Yeah. Because we're not going through all the way to the 20th. No, no, we're not, we're not, we're not saying how everyone ranked in every category. Okay, so in Enchante,、um, mm-hmm. in our a round where we discuss the king's visual legacy in terms of the portrait and all、legacy. that jazz, in third place with 11 points, we have, we have Odo. Odo. And in second place with 11.5 points, Charles the Bald. And in first place with 20 points, we have. Who do you think? It is Charlemagne.、Woo. Charlemagne. Pew, Charlemagne, pew. only person to have, have perfect. a perfect score in any round. Yeah.、Um, and this is the round in which he got a perfect score, was Entrante, just because、yeah. his visual legacy was too appealing. Damn good. Mmm. <laughs> And then after that, we got loads of people with like nine points. Yeah, loads of nines.、Um, loads of sixes in this round. Yeah. Including Louis V, who we just ranked. Yeah.、Um, and down at the, at the bottom. Loads of ones. In 29th, in 29th place, who was, at, who was at the bottom? Carloman I. Carloman I, he got a zero.、Oh. Um, do you remember much about Carloman I? No. <laughs> well, he was Charlemagne's brother. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. His, his, his success in any round is, is in inverse proportion to Charlemagne's. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Which is quite funny. So, yeah, he got a zero because there was just nothing. nothing that I could find. Every time I Googled him, it was just Charlemagne came up. So, <laughs> it's a bit sad. Yeah.、Um, and the overall averages in this round. So, the average score in this round is 6.3, which makes sense because loads of people、yeah. got six. I guess loads of people we each gave. Three points to or, or thereabouts.、Mm. The Merovingians got a average score of 3.8 in Enchante,、mm-hmm. which is not good. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Compared to the Carolingians getting 7.7 and the Robertians getting 7.3. Well, of course, the、so. Robertians, there's only three of them. There's only three of them, but the Robertians stand up pretty well against the Carolingians、mm. in all of these averages. So, you know, they're, they're, there's not many of them, but they definitely make an im- impact.、Mm-hmm. So let's move on to On Guard. Yeah. Third place in On Guard with 16.5 points, we have Pepin the Short. Yes, the one that you keep not remembering. Oh, right. <laughs> I really should because I do like the name <laughs> Pepin. It makes me think of Pippin. Do you remember what Pepin the Short did to get such a good On Guard score? 
He started a dynasty. Yeah, he kicked off the last Merovingian. He expanded the territory. Yeah. He did all that stuff. I remember. He was the son of Charles Martel, which, yeah. which, which doesn't hurt. Yeah, that helps. And in second place, with 18 points, we have... Clovis the first. Clovis. And then in first place, with 19.5 points... Charlemagne, of course. Charlemagne again. <laughs> of course. Yeah, Charlemagne is... Um, I docked him half a point in this round because of the Spanish campaign, All right. I think. <laughs> um, which is quite funny. Everyone got mad at me for doing that. Because <laughs> they're like, who's more perfect than Charlemagne? And, but I'm like, nah. Is anybody? Nobody, nobody's perfect. <laughs> that Spanish just threw him under the bus. And in last place, I've written this slightly wrong. It should be joint 24th place. We have a number of rulers <laughs> in on guard. Um, we've got Clothar III, Clovis IV, Dagobert III, Theodoric IV, Theodoric III, and now Louis V. Um, yeah. All at the bottom, all do-nothing kings. Yep. All sharing a title. All useless. And most of them Merovingians. So, yeah, the averages in this round, we've got an 8.6 overall average. So, generally, the kings have done better in Ongar. Yeah. Which makes sense, because there's just less images. But yeah. more. Fighty, fighty. More action. Yeah, more fighty, fighty. Merovingians got 4.5. They were really brought down by all the do-nothing kings. Mm. Um. Carolingians got 7.3, more of an average mm-hmm. score. Robertians in this round have done yeah. really well with 13.8 average. Well, they those um, three ones were all fighters, so. They were all fighters, yeah. Voulez-vous. Um, let's, let's do the top three in uh, Voulez-vous. Some familiar okay. faces. So in th- third place at 13.5 we have. Charles the Bald. Do you remember some of the good stuff he did? <laughs> he was king. <laughs> he wasn't bold. He was the first king to be where his whole reign was taken up by Vikings. Oh, okay. Um, and he ended up being quite good in the face of that, I think. Yeah. So he scored quite well. And he was doing a lot of reforms and then and that sort of thing while all this Viking stuff was happening. Yeah. So he got props for that. Yeah. Second place, probably surprising, with 14 points. Is Clovis the first. Yeah. Do you remember some of the good Vulivu things Clovis did? Divided his realm, which wasn't good. That wasn't good. <laughs> but during his reign, he introduced the Salic law. He codified oh, the French law codes. Right. And so translated them into Latin. Yeah. He, d- he did okay things. But then up at the top, first place with again. 18 points in this round. Yeah. Charlemagne again. Charlemagne. Docked a couple of points because of the general ruthlessness, oh, yeah. but overall did really well in Philippi. Yeah, didn't he, like, hate the Jews or something? Yeah, I mean, none of them are really nice to Jews, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, Charlemagne... Uh, Hit that law. Um, actually, we're going to have a couple more couple rulers in the next couple episodes who are going to be not nice to the Jews as well. Oh. Um, they just can't catch a break, the Jews. Um, mm. But yeah, so he lost... Yeah, point for the Jews, maybe, and, and maybe a point for the Saxon campaign, which was very brutal. Yeah. Um. So, the, the average averages is- in Vulevu, yeah. We've got a 6.9 average overall, mm-hmm. so Not middling too. again. Yeah. And that's a 4.8 for the Merovingians, a 6 for the Carolingians, and a 10 for the Robertians Z. is the average score. So, again, Robertians coming in hot. <laughs> we'll see if the Capetians can keep it up. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to Ulala. la bit, bit of a different crowd. Yay! My favourite Near the top. 
some of the people who did really well in all the other categories, such as like Odo. Clovis. Clovis got zero. Didn't do as well. Maybe a bit harsh in, in retrospect. <laughs> um, Clovis's scores are like are really weird, I, I find. Because yeah. we had no one to compare him to. True. So in third place, uh, with 12 points, we have... Charles the Fat. Yes. Um, in second place, with 12.5 points... With Charles the Simple. And in first place, with 16 points, we have... Clotha the First. Do you remember what Clotha the First did to get such a pie? Or See, the one who killed his nephews? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He, he was the first king after Clovis, and it was when the realm was divided and everyone was just uh, savaging each other. Oh, yeah. I yeah. usually remember them based on how scandalous they were. Yeah, it was very, very much that. And Charlemagne got an eight, so Charlemagne was fourth in this round. Mm. The, the one round where he doesn't beat everyone. <laughs> but he still came fourth. Like, he wasn't that bad. Yeah. And the averages, only a three average overall score for mm. Ulala. Generally, people have scored quite badly in this there's just not enough juicy things that they've been doing. Well, as we get on into the later decades and the later centuries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, particularly, I'm looking forward particularly to the Valois dynasty. They're going to mm. give us some real juicy, good juicy. juice. Because not only do they have the Mad King that you like, but they also have oh. Catherine de' Medici and her children. Ah. So I'm so excited you know. when we get there, even though it's a while, while, while to go. Oh. You know I'll be leading that Charles episode. My favourite Mad King. Yeah. Well, one of the Merovingians does get to the top. The Merovingians overall only have a 2.8 in Ulala mm. average. And the Carolingians have a 5 average, so they did quite a lot better Woo. overall. Robertians only have a 1.2 mm. average. So they really got let down in this round. They haven't been yeah. scandalous enough. They've been too yeah. goody two-shoes. Too nice to the church, I think. Yeah. So moving on to V on Throne, yeah. where we rate how many children they have and... How, how long they reigned. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've just had the lowest scorer of all time, who was Louis V, 29th place. And um, the in third place, um, with 13.5... We have Clotha II. Also called Clotha the Great. Oh, yeah. If you remember, he became king when he was a little baby. Oh, yeah. With Fredegund. Oh, yeah. He was taking sanctuary in the church. Mm. Um, and... Ended up re- reigning till into old age, so that's why he reigned so long. Mm, um, but ultimately, was guillotined because it just wasn't very exciting. Yeah. And in second place, with thirteen point seven points, we have Charles the Bald. He's up there again, mm-hmm. living his life with his children, living his life, living for a long time, having lots of babies. Wait. And in first place, the only person to get above fifteen in Beyond Thrones so far. Um, with 15.2 points is, of course... Charlemagne. Yeah. Of course. If if we did the tournament now, I think um, <laughs> yeah, be a bit embarrassing for everyone yeah. who isn't Charlemagne. <laughs> yeah, like you destroy them. Um, so let's look at the overall scores. Mm-hmm. Let, let's get down to it. Let's get down to business, to defeat. <laughs> Sorry. The Huns. So, like, looking at the top ten, it's, like, a pretty even distribution mm. between the dynasties, I think. Yeah. Oh, we didn't do um, the averages. Oh, for Vion Throne? Yeah. Oh, the averages for Vion Throne are a bit boring. Okay. 
It's like lots of fives and sixes and the Robertians get a three. Mm. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Not not very exciting. But overall scores, a bit more exciting. In third place, with 50.4, we have... Clotha the First. Which is very interesting, but he's in the top three and yet he was guillotined. Yeah. We were quite harsh with Clotha the the First. Mm. But we can't go back now. Yeah, we can't go back now. We can't slow his head back on. Mm. Um, Once it's chopped, it's chopped. And in second place... With 56.7, we have... Charles the Bald. Yes. Bit of a dark horse is Charles the Bald, I think. Mm. I ne- I didn't expect him to do as well as he did um, mm. when I was initially, like, you know, pre- pre-research. Yeah. But then I researched him and I was like, well, he's got a lot of dimensions. He's really interesting. Yeah. So he scored well. And in first place with 80.7... Astronomically above everyone else is who could it be? Who, who else? could it be? <laughs> Charlemagne, of course. Yeah, and the overall average scores are um, uh, twenty nine point nine was the average score, which I think Woo. sounds pretty correct. Got a lot of people scoring in like mid twenties recently. Yeah, Merovingian's average score was twenty point nine, which is pretty bad. Um, yeah. Carolingian and Robertians had pretty similar average scores, 33.6 mm. for the Carolingians and 35.3 for the Robertians, which is not bad for the Robertians. Mm. So those are the scores. That's what's going on right now in our school boards. Yeah. Because like me, I'm sure a lot of you cannot remember <laughs> who's ranked where. Actually, I should, uh, I've been working on this sort of, uh, sort of timeline of all the kings we had yeah. so far, so you can like see how long their reigns are, like, at a glance, and, like, where, yeah. they, where they all fit in order. Yeah. Um, so maybe that spreadsheet will be published at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To help those like me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be putting a lot more visual aids on this episode. I've been a bit lax Good. about them lately, but by the time this episode is up, all of these scores should be up. Tabulated. All the scores done so far. Tabulated. There should be a nice map and there should be a nice family tree for you to all see on the WordPress blog. So yeah, go to the WordPress for all that, all that jazz. And where else can can the listeners find us, Eliza? Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've been a bit slack on Instagram, so I've got to pick that up again. Yeah, I've been a bit slack on Instagram. I've got an excuse though. Come on, settling into new countries is a great excuse. I've had COVID. That's my excuse for everything now. It's a good excuse too. Um, No, I can't go brush my teeth. I have COVID. (laughs) I have COVID. No, I can't go get the coffee. I have COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Although there's never an excuse to not get coffee for me. So, yeah. Dying or not. Dying or not. Actually, it was was very hard not being able to go out and get a coffee, drink over. I was even tempted at one point to get it delivered. But I was like, that's a bit excessive. (laughs) Because I just can't go a day without, like, a barista-made coffee. And um, if you really like the podcast, if you really want to see it keep going and improving, you can support us on our Ko-fi, um, mm-hmm. which is ko-fi.com slash Battle Royale. That's Royale with an E. Um, <laughs> and you can support us there. While we, in the com- meantime, set up our Patreon, which mm-hmm. we need to actually do do yeah <laughs> um, so for the bedtime the break is over that we have it'll be set up 
Yeah. And we've got, we've got some, I've got some tiers that I'm sort of thinking about, um, that Mm. you would get offered different things. So there'd probably Mm. be like a monthly episode and like another monthly episode. So you'd get, you know, you know, one or both. Extra juice. Extra juice. And one of them we've discussed is maybe like watching some movies that relate to French history. Yeah. Sort of reviewing them. Discussing them, yeah. chin wagging about yeah. them, probably going on loads of tangents because we can never stay yeah. on topic. And yeah. other thing to do would be bonus rankings of yeah. other people in French history and also just some, you know, fictional people who don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to, one of the ones I'm really excited about is I want to rate the, um, the chief from Asterix, <laughs> like as, as if he was a king. Um, yeah. Because he's fun. <laughs> uh, but I'd, I'd have to get you to watch one of the Asterix movies. Yeah, because I haven't seen or read. Or, or read the I was always the a Tintin gal. I know. I know. Um, and Tintin is Belgian, so we can't talk about it. <laughs> mm, too bad. No, we can't talk about it. Belgians are Franks as well. Yeah. Who doesn't love Tintin? Exactly. All right. So um, enough off topicness. Yeah, tangentness. We, to we have to say goodbye. Yes. Okay. Um, so uh everyone have a good break from this podcast. <laughs> have a good break. Don't from forget us. about us. Don't though. forget about us. We'll be back in like three in weeks, weeks, I guess. Yeah. After Sometime in May. Sometime in May. So that's gonna be au revoir from me. And goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>